This morning, I am so excited to be with you. Um, We're actually going to study the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is sometimes referred to as the book for the feast of imagination. And so my prayer today is that God would give us an expansive imagination about what he's doing in our world, what he's doing in our lives. And so that is our hope today. And um, I also want to talk about the intention and vision for his church, right? Not the church we think that we're a part of, not the church that we think we're building, but actually God's church. So, you know, God created us as beings and souls that have like expectation and hope. And if we think about that, that's kind of an amazing thing to think that we long for something. And the way that, and the reason we do that and why we do that is because God created us in that way. He wants us to desire something. He actually desires us to delight, which means, in my mind, he likes to surprise us with delight. And so we trust that God is working eternally, and he has plans for us eternally as well. So it's not just what our perspective is about what's happening here on earth, but eternally too. So we are expectant for that. And so God knew this longing and delight in the way that he created us um, because he desires for this like delight in discovery of who he is, right? It's going to take us our lives. But part of that intention is that we're going to delight in the discovery of who he is, how he's made this earth, how he's connected us. And I'm just excited to talk about what I've at least learned a little bit and then hopefully encourage you uh, as you're journeying with God that you also will delight in discovery too. So um, we ask ourselves too, when it comes to the body of believers, so us together around the world, what might God want us to delight in him? So my prayer is that we would find that. We would be inspired by that. So I really want to talk about, too, what's going on this morning as we are infused into our beings as well as us collectively to be fueled in this way. So, like, the delight of discovery with him. So basically, in short, I just want to, like, inspire you with fire and hope for looking at God in a new way. So let's begin um, reading our passage. It's in Ephesians 3, verses 1 through 13. I'm going to read it. Um, to you guys, and you guys can follow along, and it says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it is now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. I just want to pray really quick again. Not really quick. I will pray for us as we go through. God, thank you. Okay, I'm going to keep dropping pages. We'll just ignore that. 
I don't need them. <laughs> thanks, thanks, guys. Um, Lord, would you just expand our imagination? We ask ourselves, like, what is your intention for us in the worldwide church? God, I want us to really reflect on what does this actually mean for me, specifically? What does this mean for your church? And God, I ask that you just speak through me, God, with all my faculties and dropping papers and chaos. Like, God, you, you make a way. So, God, I pray for us that we be salt and light in the things that we're learning. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the freedom to gather together. Amen. So I want to tell you a story um, that actually just happened this last week. I uh, spent the time in the south side of Chicago. I am actually in school for Christian community development, which is basically how the city and the church partner together to see the kingdom of God happen in areas. And so nobody tells you that actually this work is really hard. Like the hardest thing that you're like willingly choosing sometimes to confront some big gaps or prejudices or things that you've had in your own life, but you're also doing this with other friends and people, and you're just like, I'm drinking from a fire hose a lot of the time. And so, but I want to tell you about this story about what I experienced at this church that I got to visit with my classmates and got to spend time with their pastor, and it was truly a delight and discovery of what God was doing in this church. So while we were there, we um, visited this church called the New Mount Pilgrim Missionary Baptist Church. It's in the south side of Chicago. And New Mount Pilgrim is a Baptist church that was founded actually in the 1950s, but actually moved to their current building in 1993. See, before this, this actually was uh, a church that was an Irish Catholic parish. So I think I have a photo of what the inside of that church looks like. So you guys can see it's It's beautiful. Um, But what was really meaningful um, is that in 1993, when they moved in, the congregation is a historically black church. They also wanted to pay homage to what was happening with the Irish Protestant Catholic Church there as well. But they had a chance to create a window from their community um, and put their own mark on it, what represented their community. So in 2001, they installed this particular window called the Ma'afa Remembrance Window, which we can also show a photo of as well. It was beautiful. It, um, so this window, along with two other windows, um, capture narratives from the past and present. So in this season, they really desired that they saw that Christian churches celebrate resurrection, but actually the people of New Mount Pilgrim wanted to visibly honor both pain and promise through them in ways that are both heartbreaking, breathtaking, and unavoidable. So they're, they're here to worship, but also remember. And so it was so beautiful and meaningful to me and for us to experience that in there. I highly recommend you guys go visit this church and spend time with their congregation. It was this depiction and restoration of what this original stained glass window was. Um, The current congregation wanting to make it their own. So you can see actually below that it has, uh, it was funny. They're like, so people know that Jesus wasn't white. (laughs) Neither were all of his disciples. So, but they wanted to pay homage to what was actually happening historically in that church. So they kept a lot of the original artwork below and then got to replace the window up on top because it was damaged. But um, the meaning behind ma'afa is actually a Swahili word meaning great disaster or calamity. And the word remembrance encircles the window's center, 
melding the suffering of millions during the middle passage with the passion of Christ. So what is really beautiful is that in the center of this photo um, is a depiction from British artists about the middle passage. And the reason they chose to, to encapsulate that as Christ's body of resurrection, as being crucified with Christ, is that they wanted to pay homage to the suffering of millions during the Middle Passage, but also to overlay it with the passion of the Christ. And so looking at this thing, you're just like, this is incredible to encapsulate art. I don't know if you guys like art as well, but looking at something that evokes emotion that sometimes you can't even articulate is I feel like this was like delight and discovery of God. He can give, not even give you words to what you're experiencing and looking at, along with, gosh, processing emotions now for the rest of my life of, of what I experienced there. But the... Um, you know, taken together with these set of windows. So they have other beautiful installations as well. But the Reverend Dr. Marshall Hatch Sr., which is the pastor, gave us a quote to describe kind of what the purpose of this window was. And he said, it was to be spiritually healthy. A person has to have a healthy sense of remembrance. To celebrate the Lord's Supper is to remember the places where we have fallen and been lifted. The suffering and sacrifice it has taken we often deal with the abolition of slavery movement and the liberation for black people from bondage in America and the way the Exodus or the Passover story undergirds the Lord's Supper. We're part of a continuum of that liberation narrative of God. So for me, this was really significant. I, you know, as, a, as an Asian American woman, I was surrounded by no other Asian Americans in my class in this context. And for me, it was really important for me to go and listen and to learn and to immerse myself into the story of this church, the legacy of this church, to, to glean wisdom from what they had learned, to lament with my fellow brothers and sisters and believers. And what I found in that space was this expansion view of what God could be like what his church could be like, what the body of Christ could be like, right? We spent the week going to 40 different other churches that were all extremely different. And what I saw was like the common thread was God, was Jesus. And I was like, wow, God, you just blew my mind of like what the imagination of your church could look like. So I wish these photos could capture exactly what it was like to sit there and to look at them, to listen to people, to meet other Christians that we never would have crossed paths with. But what I want to talk about today is actually part of that experience and what I think the vision is for God, for his kingdom of God, which is the king division is actually for the multi-ethnic church. And one of those passages is to reveal in Ephesians that we read was why God does this. Actually, why is it to compel us and call us to a greater vision of oneness with Christ? Part of the delight is in the discovery of why he created or what his intention was for us to create the church like that. So one of the things I want to just talk about quickly before we go in here is kind of level-setting things that we have to talk about is our identity, right? We could say our identity is as Christians, but sometimes that's a loaded word, right? Depending on the space that you're in, um, I have definitely myself have had to unpack different things about things I can't help, whether it's ethnicity, race, the way my family was. There's some things that actually need to be sought through with God about my identity that we need to establish. So first, I just want to say our identity comes from God. 
Our identity comes from Christ. We're Christians, right? There are, might be some other layers that get in the way here, but what I want to talk about, too, is we can take our time in discovering where our, our true identity is. So sometimes it's harder for other people and myself to also think, oh, actually, I'm putting other identities ahead of God's identity. Maybe I need to check myself and think, God, what do you have for me? in this? Am I, am I missing where identity lies? Am I missing something about the vision you have for my life as a believer, as your follower, as your kid? So I just want to say that wherever we're at in this room, when I talk about the multi-ethnic vision, visions are supposed to be big, right? We're not going to accomplish this in one sitting, (laughs) in one sermon. Um, but I want to give you an exciting kind of, uh, image or vision of where God is going to lead his church. Right, So we can see actually in Ephesians that this passage that God reveals that his kingdom vision of the multi-ethnic church has intention, power, and potential. And this is really good news. This is the hope of the gospel. Right, So the first one point I wanted to do, I have three. And the first one is the kingdom vision of the multi-ethnic church has intention. So we see in verse 3, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the journey into the mystery of Christ, which has been not made known to people in other generations as it is now been revealed by the Spirit to God to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. So if you guys notice, Paul mentions the word mystery a lot. <laughs> this should clue us in if we're listening to this or reading this. Actually, when, when God repeats himself, we actually should be like, oh, I should pay attention to that. That's actually probably really important, right? So here, Paul, I'm going to tell you what Paul's revealing. He's, it's a mystery, but the mystery is the gospel, right? So Paul's unpacking the radical nature of God and what he's doing and wants to share it with other people, right? He's telling us that revealing this mystery by revealing this, by revealing the gospel, it's for understanding the kingdom vision of what the church is, right? So it's not a mystery anymore, <laughs> Paul's like, listen, friends, I want to show you God's intention for the kingdom of God. This is the full expression of this incredible truth beyond what we can dream about or imagine. This intention reveals that the body of believers are to be this type of people in the world, right? We are going to be the type of people that reveal the mystery to other people as well, the power of the gospel, right? In verse 6, he talks about this mystery. It says, heirs together, You know, the intention is for Christians to be members together of one body. You know, in Jesus' times, what was so revolutionary about this passage in Paul speaking was that at that time, Jews and Gentiles never associated with one another. There was actually this huge ethnical divide. So Paul revealed here that Jews no longer needed to go through rituals or customs to become holy or to approach or to access God. Paul said they actually no longer need that. And to be with God, you actually, the, the gospel, the power of the gospel is that God has access. You, have, you as Jewish people have access to God. What God is not saying actually is that it doesn't matter that you're not Jewish anymore. He's not saying that. But what he is saying, his vision is a lot bigger than what the Jewish people believed at the time. Actually, if we read even further in this, he's saying, actually, I'm going to bring salvation through your people as a whole. So the vision is expansive for the Jewish people. 
God has intention. So even further in this passage, we see that Paul revealed that God's intention actually was for also the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, that we would no longer be considered second-class citizens. You know, we see through verse 6 that the gospel Paul shares that people are heirs together, members together. They have the rights and responsibilities as one family, which is in Christ Jesus. So this means he combined Jews and Gentiles together and has made them one family. So also something that was previously hidden, the mystery was now made known. This is part of the mystery that the Jews and Gentiles would share equally in the gospel of salvation. The intention was that this divide actually no longer existed or was exclusive based on ethnicity, race, or class. What's even further in this mystery that Paul revealed, too, is that the church would now be interracial and an international people that was far more expansive than just where they were located, right? It means that all the barriers that existed before were now destroyed and null and removed. So that, I feel like I would just be sitting there with like a deer in headlights being like, okay, what does that mean, right? So, but Paul goes on further to describe that he's intended for his church is to transcend nationality, culture, class, economic status, gender, ethnicity, race, and I could go on and on. His point is oneness, unity. So intention continues on verse seven. It says where he became a servant, of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past kept hidden in God who created all things. Paul is still saying what his intention is here, his purpose here. He does this as he's empowered by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we would know the boundless riches in Christ. Meaning, God desires to also show us this vast, indescribable, unfathomable riches in Christ. He desires to show us something, actually, that we've never seen or experienced before. In verse 9, it says, To make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, meaning this is to share the gospel. So I want to pause and just talk about a little bit of my backstory, how this might play out practically, right? I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church that was very much about sharing the good news, which is really the point of salvation was really just about me and God, right? I, I, everything I remember thinking as a kid was like, as long as I'm good with God, everything else could be fine. But actually, that's not quite sure here that that's the framework that Paul or God wants us to like live in. Actually, he's saying the power is more, yes, it's important for us to choose to follow God, to be a disciple of him, to become like him. It is important for me and him, but what's more important actually is the expression of how we do that with one another. And then actually the intention for the whole of salvation of God's people is actually our oneness with one another and the way that we interact with one another. So no matter how we grew up, (laughs) Oh my gosh, sorry. How we grew up. This is just going to be my thing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Teamwork. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. I don't need those. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Okay, thank you. Oh, I get a nice table with a cover on it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) 
All right, so, yeah, so all this to say the vision of God is actually how we interact with one another, and salvation is going to come about in an unexpected way, actually, for not just ourselves, but for humanity and the way that we're going to see the character of God, right? Thank you so much. Thanks. So, um, and I would say that God's kingdom vision is for the multi-ethnic church is to be one body. That's part of his intention, right? We go further on in verse 10. It says his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, Lord. I want to stop and emphasize something I've learned about verse 10 in some of our study, in my study in the last couple months, which is this statement of the manifold wisdom of God. The word manifold, I cannot pronounce it in Greek, but <laughs> verse 10 means many and varied, having many features and forms, wrought in various colors, diversified, intricate, complex, and many-sided. According to many Bible commentators, this manifold wisdom of God that's referred to is here is a poetic and artistic expression suggesting the intricate nature of an embroidered pattern as in Joseph's tunic of many colors. So a lot of them are similar and parallel to saying that, man, the reference to God's wisdom, this means his extraordinary plan of the gospel and salvation will be seen in the new and mysterious creation of the church. The church as a whole, the church will be the manifold wisdom of God. So further, each member of the body of Christ manifests a different aspect of God's image. And so what he's talking about is the intention is how they are weaved together and exist together for the glory of God and for the world. So this is God's intention for the church. Even deeper, we see in number two, God's vision for the multi-ethnic church is full of power. And I want to say this access is for us as well. This power that's going to be displayed is for the glory of God. It's not for our glory. (laughs) It's not for us using our gifts. It's actually for the glory of God and for his church. In verse 10, he refers that this manifold wisdom is made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. It's important to note that anywhere we actually read this phrase, rulers of authorities and heavens, in Ephesians, he's actually referencing demonic powers and opposition. This is important to know that we actually maybe don't have time to go to deep dive in this. I'm a guest speaker, so I'll let Mickey um, pick that up. But <laughs> what I do, yeah, what I do want to note is that there are powers there that Paul and our church, as we are together, are aware of. That Paul is once again actually describing the church's intention to together is also to display God's holy power, but we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to confront this, right? So for an example is this letter in Ephesians, Paul is writing to tiny little house churches throughout Asia. I am going to assume that many of them gather in small spaces like this and maybe think, what does my worship have anything to do with what God is doing? Does it matter? Does my being together matter? Do I worship together? Is he even hear me? Do do I make a difference to other places around the world? And I would say, yes. What Paul is like emphatically saying is yes. He's like, hello, friends. Your presence matters. You being together matters. There is power when you are together. And actually, the power when you're together is the power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power. And so Paul is reminding us that God's power of the church gathered together is the power that what he's talking that we have access to. He's also saying that when we gather together, the power that is opposed to us is saying, uh, is like saying to God, like, we know that God, you're alive. We want to bring you glory. 
And when we're gathered together, we're showing those demonic powers that Christ has risen, that Christ is alive. And so it's a wonderful testimony of like his intention for us is to be together in power. Let's see. Man. (laughs) Okay. Um, I also want to talk about God's power when there's actually different kinds of unified ways of being, right? This is both interracially and within different types of churches around the world and even within our own context. He wants to also expand our imagination around unity and what that means. So when we worship in the way, it's a form also, like I said, God's power telling evil and demonic powers that they are dead and that actually the power of Christ is alive, right? So part of my story of, like, kind of accessing this kind of power was to actually ask myself a couple questions. I mean, for many times and years of, like, my discipleship to Christ was to actually think, like, how am I engaging in this kind of work with God? Like, it might look very practically, right? It might look where I'm surrounding myself with. Who do I make friends with? Am I with other people that might be thinking differently than me? And not for me to actually be about myself, to change that, but I want to experience what God might have in the way that we are friends, in the way that we have relationships. And so it's with this power, actually the power of the Holy Spirit, that we get to do this. It's we're free to do this. We're confident in doing this, right? So I want to move on to point number three is that the kingdom vision of the multi-ethnic church gives us purpose. Purpose as a church, purpose as individuals, and purpose for us gathered together, right? In verse 12, it says, in him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory, As Jesus followers, we're committed to living with purpose. I feel like sometimes we kind of have to ask God, what is our purpose? And that's okay. I ask him that maybe sometimes every other day. Um, But (laughs) we can come back to scripture and see and use wisdom that Paul desires for us to understand this, what he's saying about our purpose together. He says, I want to show you the full expression of this incredible church the worldwide church, why God created the church. And that's God's purpose is actually through the church. We get to be with him with freedom and confidence. And it's a lot bigger, actually, than just Jesus. Jesus is intricate about it. Like, we wouldn't have our faith without Jesus. But actually, the purpose, intention, and vision, and purpose for the church is a lot bigger than that. What God is doing. It's the expression of this international family to reveal God's glory. Right? Paul's also encouraging the church's purpose by this vocation and calling. So meaning, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, and you're now going to be part of this church, actually, we need to call and make this our purpose as well, in the way that God designed us to reflect the way that he's designed us and what he wants to do in our lives to be an addition to the church. So remember that manifold wisdom of God, all of our ways of being and our gifts can be used to express the purpose of the church together. Also, the church as a whole cannot actually reach its potential if we aren't reaching our potential as well, right? God has intention for us. He has big plans for us. Um, We can trust him. And all this to say we are also interconnected, right? Our existence actually when we gather together as the church, as the worldwide church, even for us here in this room today, is a reminder to the hostile powers that Christ has broken the power of the demonic world as well. The power that's made available to us and the church, this actually needs to become a reality for us, right? That even things like uh, racism or hatred actually have now been destroyed by the blood of Christ because we are gathered in unity in one. 
And our life together reveals how good God is, actually for eternal purposes. He wants to expand our imagination to what that looks like when we're gathered together. You know, our very life together as people of God and in Christ, it confronts the roots and ties of evil, as well as other kinds of things that divide us from being one, right? Not just here but a larger city context, SF, and beyond, and in the world, right? And this reveals how God is actually doing this in his church, right? This reveals also who God is. And Jesus himself demonstrates this ethnic transcending power of the gospel. And for us, that's good news. We have been had the mystery revealed to us. We know God's heart. And actually, we know the power of the church combined together that we get to do this for his glory, We get to join in this work actually for our purpose. God gives us a purpose, right? We don't have to be flailing around wondering what are we doing with our lives. God is going to give us purpose for that, right? So as I'm closing, I just want to wrap up and encourage you that the intent of the kingdom vision is for the multi-ethnic church to exist, right? It's actually for us as believers to join together, and this is going to inform our whole lives, Right? This informs the way that we live and shape and what we do with our lives, how we make decisions. Right, This should be a framework that we do run through decisions or things that we do. Is, is this for the greater body of Christ? Is this for the encouragement for the greater church worldwide? Right, And I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes that's hard to think because I have all the things that are going on in my life that I think, okay, this, this is meaningful, right? God does care about that, right? God cares about all the little things that happen in our life, but he also has a greater purpose. So I find this incredibly freeing to approach him in confidence, to be able to say, God, you can sort out all the things that are happening in my life. You can sort out all the things that are happening, but I also want to play a part, right? He's also going to ask us something to do to, to respond to him, right? This is not easy work. (laughs) We also know, I want to acknowledge there's principalities and powers at work that are opposing us. But I also say and remind us that us together in oneness in Christ, there is power, the Holy Spirit's power for God's glory, that we actually are alive in Christ for that. So we do not need to fear about that. Um, And we also can have this expanded imagination and vision of God through his Holy Spirit and actually his power. Right? As believers, we can picture this manifold wisdom of God. It's a global, one body, Christ shaped tapestry of the world connected and interconnected. Right? And lastly, I want to pray for us to actually have this manifold wisdom of God here that we get to experience in our own lives, in our city, and in the global church. And I also really want to say something about integrity, too. That The church can't have integrity or to be that salt and light in the world if actually we ourselves don't have integrity either. If we're not treating one another with love, the love of Christ as well. And so that's not a a shame thing or like um, to say, oh, you've been doing a bad job, but just a godly reminder for us to be like, actually, when we love one another side by side and we love God, we are actually doing way more than we actually can imagine or think we're doing for the world and for God's glory to be, like, instilled in us. And so I also just want to pray for for us to have humility and also authority. Like, in God, we don't have to fear about what's going to happen. Um, and I would just love to pray for you guys um, as we close. So if you would, would you just stand up? And, and if you want to and feel comfortable, open your hands in a posture of receiving 
And I just pray a blessing. Lord, thank you for your kingdom vision of the church. We thank you that it includes you and me and all of us in this room and one another and expanding around the world. God, would you let the words and thoughts and ideas and anything else that might be swirling around in our heads, that you would actually bring order to that and help us focus on the things you want us to focus on. Yeah, God, remind us of your intention of your church, your power, and your purpose. We are grateful to be together. Amen.